welcome to Leaders Call to Adventure, the show for those that take the road less traveled. I'm Lori Ference. In this episode, I'm talking to Ray Zahab, who I first heard of when I saw the film Running the Sahara, which documented his journey running across the entire Sahara Desert, 4,300 miles and 111 days with his friends, Kevin Lynn and Charlie Engel. As an ultra runner and desert lover, uh, this endeavor really spoke to me, both in terms of the fortitude of the human spirit and the vast beauty of our planet. I think I probably Googled him at that point and found out that that was one of many incredible feats of endurance that he accomplished and continues to this day. So I'm so excited that we are also going to be talking about his upcoming adventure called the Trans-Namibia Expedition. I found it amazing that when he related in his first book, Running for My Life, um, how he came about running uh, his first ultra marathon. Having not been a runner, (laughs) his first choice of a race was the Yukon Ultra. It was a hundred mile race and he only started training for it and really running three months prior. Now, Ray's basic message is that all of us can exceed any limits we think we might have. In 2008, he founded Impossible to Possible, or I2P, an organization that aims to inspire and educate youth through adventure, learning, inclusion, and participation in expeditions, including Baffin Island, Tunisia, the Amazon, Bolivia, India, Italy, California, and others. In 2009, Ray and two other Canadians broke the world speed record for an unsupported expedition by a team to the geographic South Pole. In 2010, Ray and Kevin Vallely ran the length of frozen Lake Baikal in Siberia, 650 kilometers over the course of 13 days, totally unsupported. Communication with satellite video conferencing to schools brought the expedition into classrooms and classrooms into the expedition. Ray has run across the Atacama Desert, the driest desert on earth twice, He ran in 2013, 2,000 kilometers across Mongolia and the Gobi Desert. In 14, he completed his fourth unsupported crossing of Baffin Island. And he'd go on to complete six more of those in various seasons. (laughs) 2015, he ran across the Patagonia Desert. And in 2016, he did a unique expedition that spanned 100 degrees Celsius on the thermometer. With Jen Seger and Stefano Gregoretti, the team journeyed from minus 50C to plus 50C, over 1,500 kilometers on mountain bikes and foot, crossing both Baffin Island in Canadian winter and the Atacama Desert in Chile in summer. In February of last year, Ray and Stefano would go on to complete the second and third stages of a three-part expedition in the Canadian Arctic after a near-disastrous start in which Ray broke through a frozen river in the Torngats mountain range. The duo rallied back to ski unsupported across Baffin Island and then fat bike across the Northwest Territories along the Mackenzie Valley Winter Road. So amidst all of these adventures in raising a family with his wife, Kathy, volunteering for I2P, Ray has somehow also found the time to write a couple books. He's currently working on his third. I could just go on and on talking about how Ray has talked at the TED Talks or how he's appeared on Jay Leno. But there's just far too much to say. If you want, you can just go to his bio on his website and click on about at raysahab.com. Ray is just an amazing, energetic, kind, and wonderful person. 
And I think that really shines through in the interview. So let's just get to it. I read your book, the first one anyway, Running for My Life. I also watched the Running the Sahara movie. I watched it again just last night uh, as a refresher. I watched it several years ago. But anyway, I have some questions from there, kind of chronologically. And I do want to get to, you know, the exciting thing that you're training for uh, right now. Um, But one thing that I noticed when you mentioned in your book this condition that you had or have, I don't know, but it doesn't seem to really deter you from doing all the things that you do and just wondering how you overcame that or how it affects you as an athlete. Spondylolisthesis. Yeah. So essentially what what it is, you know, in my case, what is the root of it? I'm not really sure. You know, you it's like a fractured vertebrae or a dysfunction in the facet joints of the vertebrae. I mean, you'd have to get an, an exact description from a doctor, you know, on exactly what it is. But, you know, the, the, the basic root of it is that it's tremendous back pain. You get lower back pain. So it's, you know, it's very dysfunctional, you know, condition. I grew up on a horse farm. We were riding horses all the time. I mean, you know, maybe it was like falling off of a horse when I was really young or something, but at any rate, it caused a tremendous amount of pain for me. And so, um, as a young person, you know, in, in my teen years, I would have times when my leg would be so numb that I couldn't feel it. I mean, it's, yeah. And so, you know, um, I, I focus a lot on functional strength training and all that stuff to to try and mitigate, you know, any lingering effects of that, you know? Right. So does it come up or is it something that you've kind of gotten used to? It's... I try not to entertain it in my mind. I try not to think about it too much and I just try to continue doing all of my stuff. Okay. Do you know what I mean? My strength yeah. training and eating as healthy as I can and stay focused on what I'm able to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, I keep moving forward. So it's kind of like how I roll with it. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Interesting. I, in reading your book and sort of this, I don't know, this moment that you had when you picked up Explore Magazine and something clicked. (laughs) And just, was it prior to that that you'd had the accident and you just decided to give up uh, car racing and... Or, you know, driving as fast as possible in a car. Or well, I mean, uh, any stuff? accidents I had was when I was very young. Right. I and, mean, you know, you're talking. And that book is actually is quite old. I'm working on another book, which would be the third book. Um, I've been working on it for a while because that, that book that you're referring to, my first book, that actually ends before running the Sahara right. ends. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's so long ago. Yeah, right? but I'm interested but, in what and, turned, like, because it was such a huge shift from... Well, you know what? It's interesting, and I say this about when, I, when I'm when i speaking, and um, is that, you know, you're, you're trying to... <laughs> when I was, I was working with an actual writer to help put the book together, and the amount of stuff that I would write that could not make it into the book, right? Because... It, it, there's just so there's just so much life, right? And when you try to condense that down into a small, I never realized how hard it is writing. It's so it's so hard. And 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 so if you're speaking and you're telling a story over the course of an hour, it's very difficult to hit on absolutely everything. You know what I mean? A year in your life is a long period of time. It was a long period of time when I while I made that shift in my life. But I think also, I'm one of these people that I try not to think too much about you know, where I'm coming from, for example, finishing an expedition, I'm going, man, I can't believe I did that. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to think about it and think about it. Instead, I'm, I'm like, 
wow, that was like an incredible experience. I totally appreciate everything I've learned from it. Now I'm moving forward. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so I'm always kind of looking to the future. So I don't want to be defined personally. I don't want to be defined by, um, you know, for example, being a pack a day smoker, right. And then, and then quitting smoking and then discovering that, that we're all capable of amazing things. There's a lot of people that have lived that reality. I think rather the focus that I have is reminding people that, Hey, it's in every single one of us. You don't have to be running across the Sahara desert or, you know, trekking across the Arctic, but you know, in each, in each and every one of us is that capacity to do amazing things. Sure. But for you to choose, I mean, when people get into running, you know, they think, Oh, I'm going to do a 5k, I'll do a 10k. But for (laughs) the Arctic ultra to be your first race and then to go and win it, I mean, that's, Pretty well, special. Well, I mean, I, again, it sounds so awesome, but I mean, it's it's it, it, like you know, I was, you know, you'll remember this from my book. I when I first got into sports and doing the things that my brother does, because of course, as you know from reading my book, he was my is my greatest inspiration. You're somebody who themselves had turned their life around and and def- like redefined who they were, like found out who he was and was reintroduced to a new person and just became more fit and more confident. I thought, geez, you know. That's that's how I want to feel. Anyhow, I, the first sport I really took on was mountain biking. And I went from cross-country mountain bike racing to 24-hour mountain bike racing. And riding your mountain bike for 24 hours is really hard to do, yeah. you know, and going up and down and through technical and all around stuff. And, and you know, so I, I had the ability to do long feats of endurance by that point when I did my first running race. You know, doing something, an activity for a really long period of time, like I did some adventure racing that was in my book as well. You know, you, you the, the, the concept of going for a long period of time was not that unusual. What was unusual to me was doing it while running. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where the crazy thing is, is like, I mean, I was, you know, and I, and I sort of say ignorance is bliss sometimes because I just, I like, it didn't make any sense why I wouldn't be able to do it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, or I wouldn't try. So, I mean, that's how I, uh, uh, you know, sort of, <laughs> sort of look at it. I, it, it's, I've never overanalyzed it, if you will. I've always, I, I think we tend to do that. I think we tend to overanalyze situations, and I think we tend to read into things and look, and 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 try to, you know, sort of squeeze everything that we can out of a situation. When really, in a lot of ways, if you think about it in life, some of the great things that we decide to do in our lives, like it comes, it's almost a quick decision. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying. You change a career and it's a quick decision. I'm saying you change your career or whatever. You're finding your life and it's a, and it's a quick decision, but it's a long process, right? Most yeah. times. This just happened to be quick decision, quick process, you know? <laughs> and I was like, hey, what the hell? I'll just go see what happens, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, So you had the experience as an endurance athlete prior to that, though, and mentally and what you're talking about is being like 90% mental and the, the other 10% is what? All in your head. <laughs> right. And, you know what? and the, the reality was is that I'd never been on my feet that far. So I really did not know what was going to happen when I reached the furthest I'd ever been on my feet at that point. I can't remember what it was, 60, 65 K in training for that race. I basically ran, then walked and crawled. I mean, it was like, it was a disaster. My longest training run for that event. Cause I only had a few months to prepare, like my, literally months to prepare and was not a runner. And, um, you know, in that race, and this is 2004 to remind your listeners. So, you know, when that race started, I was like, well, now I just got to do a hundred more than what I did in training. I mean, it just didn't say, I was like, whatever happens, happens, you know, yeah. that, 
I mean, it took everything I had. I had no money. I had nothing. Like, I mean, I went there uh, with the help of friends and used all the savings I had and everything to just to just just go and have this experience. And I think that if anything, it wasn't that I won the race. It wasn't. Um, none of that was really as important as taking that first leap and saying, I have no idea what's going to happen. I've never done anything like this before, but I'm going to try. And I think that that was something that was so powerful for me to learn from that experience because it it gave me, it enabled me to have the capacity to take a risk and Mm -hmm. have confidence in taking a risk, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's a forgotten quality. Sometimes we forget how to take risks, you know? Right. Well, that's not something that you forget because you're doing it all the time, right? It's always something that you're that you're planning and it's... Yeah, but you know what? I look at it as well. Like I have friends who have started their own businesses and yeah. they're risking everything. They're risking um, you know, their savings, their their livelihoods there. And it's and it's not that different from what I do. I think in everyday artists that decide that they're going to um whatever go have, a, have their first public showing but you know they, they go to have that for the very first time well that takes you know that takes courage to do that right because who knows what somebody's going to say about your work yeah. so i think that in a lot of ways um it's it's it, the, the ultra running the running the expeditions really sort of are like sort of uncommon in a sense uncommon common enough that it seems so visibly extreme but the reality is is that if you look around you in life there's many examples of the exact same sort of scenarios and situations and decisions being made right okay yes but yeah they're not they don't have that same sort of uh it doesn't grab our attention let's just put it that way right i'm not yeah saying, every yeah. now and then something does that comes along but i mean yeah for sure yeah like yeah yeah okay now in in the movie um the scene where you get to the oasis and the children are running with you curious if that in some way inspired your working with youth or how that all came together impossible to possible and and well you know what it's a great question i I, you know i've always um you know i love being a dad i'm a a dad to two daughters nine and six and you know i always knew i always just i've always wanted to um be a dad and when i was um 16 17 years old sort of in that time when i was really all you know teenage angst right when we all go through that when we're young but i mean i really sort of had decided at that point at 16 17 18 years of age that i was going to probably be doing nothing for the rest of my life bouncing from odd job to odd job it just didn't seem i mean i was you know just uh failing grades and all the rest of it i just never felt like i was going to do anything like you didn't feel passion about anything i did but it was things that that society, for example, or, or, you know, I, I, I loved cars. I loved, right. you know, riding horses. I loved doing the things that I was doing, Yeah. but the concept of taking something that you're passionate about and making a living out of, you know, just sort of was not there. Yeah. You know what I mean? At least not in my life, you know, although my, you know, my parents were awesome and, and, and you know, I had great friends. I, I wouldn't say that we were, you know, it just wasn't sort of like a, a thing you didn't go to your guidance counselor in school and say hey so look this is what i'm passionate about this is what i want to do and it's like you know it, i think it's just a different time perhaps now mm-hmm. it seems more um you know more current to sort of do that if it's not the right word to use <laughs> sure, but at any sure. rate um but the point is is that now um you know nowadays things have, have somewhat changed so when i was when i finished running the sahara I decided, my wife and I, 
decided. And then after we came up with this concept, we met our close friend, Bob Cox in California, who is the executive director of IGP. And we basically, the thing really got off the ground when Bob came on board and, and he's basically the co-founder. And um, we decided the whole premise was that I wanted to save some kids some time. Hmm. And that all hmm. youth, no matter what your background is, you don't have to be a kid who's like, oh, down in the dumps. Any kid that wants to go can redefine who they are on uh, one of our youth expeditions. And that's why I wanted to give kids an opportunity to realize and show by example. That's the beauty of technology, double-edged sword, right? All mm -hmm. the technology and our capacity to communicate. But on the one end of it is we're able to take a youth expedition and broadcast it all over the world. So you got thousands of students seeing their peers doing something incredible, teaching a subject, learning from them. I mean, you know, it's pretty powerful stuff. Now, I've had youth on youth expeditions that have followed other youth expeditions. When the kids get old enough, they end up applying. They end up getting selected and boom, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing. I mean, it feels like, okay, I know that the book, you have to put it in a certain number of pages, right? So it cuts out a lot. But it felt to me like you were adrift for a number of years. And then all of a sudden, it was like, bam, you're this purposeful person, right? Well, of right? course, it, it, it feels like bam, but <laughs> yeah. it was like, yeah. you know, uh, a long period of time. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was a course of years, right? Like I made the decision late 90s, let's say it took me three years to quit a pack a day smoking habit, you know, three years to quit smoking. Yeah, it's a long time. But I mean, I, you know, that's interesting, too, because I, I have said um, many times, I've had people that I've talked to, that's a big deal, I quit smoking in a day. And I'm like, well, you know what, it's one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life, it took me three years. And the most difficult things that we do in our lives are very relative to us as individuals. We go around comparing ourselves constantly and we compare our scenarios and our situations with others that we know. And you can't necessarily do that. You have to sort of live in your own existence in the in when it comes to difficult personal decisions, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So but that's something you've kind of learned over the years, hasn't it been? Something that Yeah, to totally took years to learn that. Yeah. It's something that now I know, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Well, given the time limit here, I know that we're closing in on you know, the amount yeah. of time and you've got this expedition you're doing and all that, right? So yes. although I made pages and reams of notes, <laughs> I think yeah. we're probably we're probably not gonna get to a chance to cover a lot of this stuff. Um so why don't we just dive right into what you're preparing for right now? So I am getting ready uh, to um, run and trek 2,200 kilometers across Namibia through the Namibian desert from South Africa to Angola. And our goal, obviously, is to share the experience and things that we're learning through live websites, social media, all that stuff um, to students who are following along. So we're really excited, you know, and, and we want to have as many kids. And you know what? We're really trying to activate through social media. We're really trying to use social media as the way that we share this. So it's always been in the past that we separated social media. With my expeditions, it would be like, I go on an expedition, social media, that's it. But now what we're saying to schools is, look, tune in to Facebook because we're going to do Facebook Live by satellite. Yeah. Use social media because we do believe that. If it's, you know, with young people, I mean, gosh, there's just so much conversation around this nowadays. But as a learning tool, it can be quite powerful. Absolutely. So, you know, that's what we're trying to, we're trying to engage that way. So Why I mean, Namibia? People, what, we, what, what made you choose this one? Well, I've ran across or, or, you know, been across 
most of the world's large deserts. You know, I ran across the Gobi Desert, which was over 2,000 kilometers in Mongolia. I ran 7,500, as you know, across the Sahara. 1,000 right. across the Patagonian, 1,200 across the Atacama Desert. Um, you know, I've been to the South Pole, across the Antarctic Desert. So, you know, we re- and then the Arctic numerous times. I wanted to do something in a big desert that was a definable desert. With this teammate of mine, uh, Stefano Gregoretti, who I did my last mm-hmm. expedition with, mm-hmm. and really um, share something different and unique. And it's uh, this is this desert's gorgeous. I mean, it's got everything: wildlife, everything. So that's why we picked this one. Wonderful. How did you meet Stefano? Well, I met him uh, post the Gobi ex- uh, when I did when I ran across the Gobi. Uh, it was very difficult, and I did solo. Um, you know, and so I was resupplying every twenty, thirty k, and running 60 70 a day i got really injured it was incredibly difficult and i had discussed with my wife i said you know what i did the atacama alone i did this alone other than with seeing my support crew right every 20 30k i'm like you know what i just i'm i'm doing the next one with someone i gotta find someone to do a project with you know mm-hmm. that i can rely on you trust and build friendship somebody that you, it has to be somebody that you really really are quite literally trusting your life with absolutely and, and mm-hmm. i met this guy i believe that people come into your life for reasons mm-hmm. um and i ended up meeting him at a race that i was advising uh in in utah and he was there and i just met this guy we barely spoke english i mean you know and and uh we started communicating i just, I, I just knew after spending some time with him i said this is the guy yeah so and you've done yeah. several expeditions with him now yes we've done yeah, we've done multiple expeditions. I, mean, I could think of them all <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> now, besides the, the one earlier this year, the Arctic Extreme, where you you know fell through the ice, have you ever been in a situation where you had to call off a leg of the expedition, or was that your first no. and only uh, time? No, that's the second time. I, I attempted a run across South America, coast to coast, which I incidentally ended up doing with Stefano. Mm-hmm. Through the Patagonian Desert, we went coast to coast. I attempted on roads to do a project a number of years ago, where I would be running big distances on pavement over the Andes. It was something that I never do. I never run on pavement unless I absolutely have to. And it just, it, everything was going against us. I was ill the entire time. And then we ended up with this massive storm towards the end that stopped us. I mean, all the, all the roads, everything was gone. It was flooded in, on our, in Argentina on the way into Buenos Aires. And for the last two, 300K, it would have just been, it was crazy truck traffic. And I just thought this is no longer safe. Like it's no longer, you know, uh, sort of a controllable element. So I thought, you know what, it's time to pull the plug on this because it's not safe and it's definitely not sending the right message back to the schools that were following along that it's good to take your life in your hands in this capacity. So yeah. we just decided that uh, that was that. So yeah, you know, it, this, it happens, but it's, you, you never hope for it. So no, absolutely not. No. But, uh, yeah, there we go. As for Baffin Island, that's been a place that you've gone to several times. What's the draw of the North I love Baffin it. Island? It's the most incredible place on the planet for me. It's, <laughs> it's an absolutely beautiful place. And, um, you know, I've crossed Baffin six times now. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it there in all seasons. I love the winter there. And I love the people. It's Canada. I love everything. You know, it's just a, it's part of the world that's absolutely extraordinary, you yeah. know. Is there so, anywhere? I mean, you've been, it seems like you've Namibia. been almost let's everywhere. Go to Namibia. Namibia. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go to Namibia. So well, I'm, gonna go, I'm, I'm getting to go there. We leave January 7th and we'll probably start the expedition around the 12th. Right. And how many days are you anticipating? I'm not that? sure. Okay. I really don't know. You know, I try not to put a number on it because we never really know. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, too many variables. 
All right. Okay. So well, I'll be following that and yeah, yeah. Okay. That's awesome. All the best with Perfect. that. And thanks for making well, time today. It took a bit to coordinate, but I appreciate yeah. your flexibility and no problem. Also. Well, look at it. You know, I really appreciate this, and I and I apologize for my tight timelines. I just get rolling. I yeah. Get the satellite device synced before the guy leaves his office. Okay. And, uh, we'll uh, we'll chat later. Okay. Okay. Thank, thank you so much. Take me in loop and let okay. me know what it goes up. Will do. Okay. Take care. Okay. You're Bye. Ray is currently in transit to Namibia and will be starting his run approximately on January 12th or 13th. To follow the expedition, you can go to transnamibia.com. I'm linking to that site in the show notes as well as his social media sites. Exciting stuff and really enjoy, you know, being able to experience it virtually and interact with him. He said he's going to do some Facebook lives, so it'll be really exciting. Can't wait. And I hope you tune into that as well. For show notes on this episode, go to my website, www.leaderscalltoadventure.com forward slash 12. That's number 12. As always, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at info at leaderscalltoadventure.com with your questions and comments.